0: Welcome to the Pineapple Couch with B Rob. I'm B Rob and this is episode 84 of the Pineapple Couch. We got a great show for everyone today. First, I'm joined by Josh Bilker to talk all about the NBA trade rumors that are going on with the trade deadline approaching. We talk about Blake Griffin signing with the Nets. We call Tim Hall to see how he feels about his Sacramento Kings. We talked Zach Levine and much more. And then after that, I'm joined by Peter Gonzalez, as I am every week, to talk about Marvel. This week we talked about the finale of WandaVision. And don't worry, Peter will be back again next week as we preview Winter Soldier. But we got a lot of basketball this episode and some WandaVision finale. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. I'm B-Rob, and this is episode 84. We're going to be talking some NBA off the top here. It's trade season, trade deadline's about a week or two away, so a lot of potential moves to be made out there by a lot of the playoff contending teams, and some teams who are sellers might be looking to get rid of some decent players that could make a difference in the NBA playoffs coming up. Um, To talk about all of this, I am joined by Josh Bilker. Josh, how are you doing, my friend? Great. Really, really excited to be on this one. It's going to be fun. We haven't deep-dived the NBA like this in a bit, so it's going to be good to get back on track, and we're probably going to do this like weekly going forward as the NBA season continues to heat up in the second half. Uh, the big news that I want to get to first, Josh, is your former boy, Blake Griffin. He signs with the Nets. He gets bought out from the Pistons, and he's coming in to come off the bench for the Nets. I think it's a minimum deal. Uh, he's going to play some small ball five so, I'm going to float this lineup out to you, Josh, and tell me what you think of it for the playoffs. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. It's pretty fucking filthy.
1: On paper, I think, but... Do you I, think Blake's I'm, done? Uh, I think there's a very good chance he's done. I, I, I'm not going to completely close the door on him because I think he's just still could be. he could still turn into some flashes of the guy he was, but... I yeah, more likely than not, it's if it's the Pistons, Blake. He he looked like he completely lost everything in his legs, and and maybe he was faking it. Maybe he's gonna play competitive basketball again, and just everything just kind of changes. But I I was thinking about this too. Is Jeff Green's been playing really fucking well, and he's gonna take a lot can't of can't trust minutes. Jeff Green. Can't I trust agree? Jeff Green. I I agree 100%. I'm just saying that it's it's gonna be. I want to see what happens with the Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. I guess that that plot line once again. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited to see what would have happened with Jeff Green on yeah. that team, and Blake is probably just gonna slot right into that role. And, and the, here's the thing, though: is, is I, I yeah I I don't have faith that Blake's gonna be like a key contributor to this team, really. But mm-hmm. it's a no-risk move by the Nets. Yeah, like yep. it, is the thing. It's an extra body at the very least, and it's and it's a very prestigious body as well on top of mm-hmm. it that has oh, yeah. still flashes of brilliance regardless mm-hmm. he's he can be a pick and roller for for james harden and he still can probably finish at the rim just not as explosively as he was before
0: yes dude i i look at this deal obviously the biggest thing is this is a no risk thing so people who are hating on it it's like it's literally yeah I, I don't mean to hate on it for, no, no i didn't say yeah. you were there yeah. are some people though who are like why the hell would the nets do this uh, but, but i also mm-
1: don't think it's a super move that people are making it out to be on like twitter and whatnot where they're, they're no they're just saying all this shit about how how op this team is basically and how well, lebron they're so trying they're acting
0: it. like he's in like prime prime blake griffin and exactly. he's not but yeah i i like this move because it really reminds me of the celtics adding bill walton at the end of his career in the 80s oh. after he had some mvp seasons in the late 70s and when he came over he came off the bench, but it wasn't like he was Bill Walton of MVP. He was a different player. But the similarities, what I see is Bill Walton is an incredibly smart passer and playmaker, or he was. Blake Griffin is both of those things, and I think people have forgot that Absolutely. as his uh, um, athleticism has declined. I think he's a very smart player. He's a great passer. He'd be great in pick and rolls. And him coming in, just, I mean, this is think about it. Blake Griffin, even when he has been bad in Detroit, he's still the one the defense have been worrying about for the most part, even though he's not that good. He's going to be on the floor with four All-Stars. He's going to get so much less, um, I guess, doubles, obviously, and that sort oh, of he's stuff. We are playing get with those guys. The most
1: open shots of his career before he had a jump shot.
0: <laughs> like this, yeah, that's, and that's I that's think he's just a smart player. He is. He's a very smart very. player, and so. The one thing, though, like you mentioned, we just can't control. If his knees are just done mm-hmm. and he's going to truly not be able to play, yes, that does change things. But if he's able to play like a low minute load and manage that, similar to Bill Walton, that just jumps out to me. And I, th- I think this is a great move because I think he's a great locker room guy. I agree. And he, I, I'm, I'm down with it.
1: Just to sing my praises about Blake Griffin, to, to, to your point, is he is still one of the greatest stories, I think, of an NBA career and the fact, he came in as like a as a dunker, as a Ben Simmons type, basically, essentially, just a completely raw athlete, great finisher, and all that. Completely transformed his game by the Detroit year when he was uh, All NBA third team that year, by the way, which was two or three years ago. He completely turned into an outside, just a a mid-range specialist, basically, and, and three-point. He shot the highest clip from of yeah. his career at like 36, 37 percent. So I'm saying is, if anyone can adapt. To, to any kind of role, it's I, I would probably bet on Blake Griffin again. I just don't know if the athleticism is there, the physicality. I I mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be something they just hold out into the playoffs. I don't even know if he'll be playing minutes like on a regular basis. But we'll see. Maybe they'll with Durant's injuries, if they want to keep them, you know, yeah. clean and clear. They might, maybe they will roll out more Blake Griffin.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's about all I have on the Blake Griffin with the Nets. Do you want to move on to our next topic? Yeah. Okay, let's talk Sack Kings. Sack Kings, they got three players potentially that they could be moving on from this trade deadline season. You got Buddy Heald, you got Harrison Barnes, you got Marvin Bagley. I don't think they're going to move on from all of them, but I think they will move on from at least one, I think. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give a little call here on the pineapple couch to Kings superfan Tim Hall and see what he has to say. So let's get this up and going. Hey, Tim. Tim, you're live on the Pineapple Couch right now. Um, me and Josh are here. Josh, you're not going to be able to hear Josh, but he can hear you. Um, we're talking about the NBA trade deadline, and we're talking about your Kangs. Uh, three players potentially on the block, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley. What do you want the Kings to do? Oh, my God. You're putting me on the clock here.
1: Bro. <laughs> no yeah. prep at all. <laughs> uh, we got to get rid of Buddy Heald number
0: one. You want the Fox Halliburton as your backcourt? Absolutely. Um, I I don't know what they're even offering at this point, but uh, we could lose Buddy, and I wouldn't be too upset with just about any trade, probably. Um, Are you done with Marvin Bagley? Bagley, I could give or take. I mean, I feel like we're not really going to get anything... That great for Bagley, so I don't really see the point in training him. Mm-hmm.
2: All-time um, value. Somebody offers us something crazy for him, absolutely. Let's do it. But uh, I could hold on to Bagley for a little while longer.
0: And so then Harrison Barnes. And, uh,
2: Harrison Barnes is an interesting one.
0: The Celtics um, might give you something good. Yeah. If... If they want to do it, do you think they're hard. selling? Or do you think they're going to try and make the playoffs still? Or do you think it's. The Celtics? No, the the, 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 the Kings. We're probably selling. How the,
3: what are we going to even do in the playoffs? True. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: this is fucking crazy, dude. Um, yeah, they're. Harrison Barnes is an interesting one. I really couldn't tell you what I even want from him. Yeah, and I think you could get some value there. So, Tim, thanks for uh, being the first live guest we've had here on the Pineapple Couch. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Well, thanks for thinking of me. Of course. See ya. That was Tim Hall, uh, Kings fan. so, big takeaway from that. Tim, obviously, an electric personality. Shout out to Tim. Uh, Buddy Heald, Kings fans definitely want to move on from Buddy Heald. They want that De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton backcourt, which I agree with. And I do think that there is a scenario where you could get a team to overpay for a buddy healed because of how teams need shooting. Think about a team like the Dallas Mavericks with Josh Richardson. I think they're, I mean, even the Hawks, dude. Like, what is uh, your takeaway of those three names, though?
1: Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. I think um, Buddy Heald is the most obvious name to move on out of those guys. Um, Harrison Barnes, though, I think will generate the most interest is my guess just because I think he fills in a lot of needs and a lot of holes for a lot of teams. He's very solid, a little underrated too, great locker room guy, a little overpaid, but I think they could get a least – Show <laughs> I think if they could just get like one young guy and maybe a pick out of it, like even I don't even know about it, like a first rounder, maybe like a low first rounder, like a Marcus Mm -hmm. Morris type deal for the Clippers last year, something like that, maybe.
0: Do you think Harrison Barnes a little better than that though? Than Marcus Morris? Yeah, I'm I'm curious what you think. I think he's like a step above because he puts up much more consistent. I mean, he scores more. He's a better shooter. Actually, good, Marcus Morris defender. is having
1: he's he's shooting near fifty percent from deep this year. I mean, I, and yeah. I agree with you. In, in theory, though, I yeah, I mean Harrison Barnes probably better player. He's a little bit more athletic. Morris is more of a uh, yeah I, defender. I
0: agree. I agree with what you're saying though, because I don't. I'm like thinking about the Celtics right now, because I think the Celtics could use maybe a Harrison Barnes potentially, and I just don't know what they would give up. Like, they, well, so see the thing.
1: Celtics have a lot of young guys still, though. And the yeah, are you section. gonna
0: really trade Harrison Barnes for like Robert Williams?
1: No, I think Robert Williams is actually too good to trade now. <laughs> I think like the Grant Williams, the Romeo Langfords, maybe even Aaron Niesmith, maybe if they want to get rid of him already. Um, those are like the crop of guys, like the very like the end of the rotation guys, and that's all I think the Kings are gonna. I don't think they're gonna get like any guy in their solid rotation from any team really. The Nuggets are also another team that just has too many guys, because I think uh, for for a Harrison Barnes deal, we're looking at like a maybe like a rebirth guy, someone someone that's like at the end of rotation, a young guy on a team that just isn't going to cut into a rotation. Yeah. Uh, on a okay. playoff team, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but uh, Bagley, for instance. Yeah. Right, what do you What do you got on him? You cannot trade Bagley yet. I I think like you're getting nothing for him if you trade him now. It's it's gonna be like a second. You know it's it's he's got one more year left on his rookie deal. He's definitely been a disappointment, but he still had flashes of of something I think. And you just kind of gotta keep him keep him around and see if another year under him, and then maybe move him then if if some team wants yeah. to take a flyer on him and something more sizable.
0: But like yeah, right now just-
1: he's. he's just nothing for me
0: he's no value so it's not worth moving on I completely agree I'm just sorry we already talked to Tim so yeah, man, sorry, it must suck to yeah. have taken him over Luka freaking Donkey. Donk- <laughs> I don't understand and, well, so that. come on I guess
1: they they really thought that healed was going to be their or I mean not healed, but Fox and healed were going to be their guys going forward and I, I mean oh. I just think that people undervalued Luka because all the teams that were all the teams that took someone ahead of them just had their established guards and Ball handlers, mm. quote unquote. And I think like, Buddy
0: hey, Heald needs to go play with Trey Young, and those two Oklahoma boys can be can play in Atlanta and shoot threes and not play defense.
1: But Bogdanovich, I don't know. Do you want to get rid of Bogdanovich or like move off of Bogdanovich in theory? He's not even played. Yeah, he's he's barely played. He's played a couple games, but it's like I think less than ten games. So so I, I don't. I don't have the numbers, you
0: might not have but, to move on from him. What about <laughs> this? What if you threw? Uh, Mavs makes the most. Marvin sense, Bagley for say. John Collins, or no, no, not Marvin yeah. Bagley. Uh, Buddy Healed for John Collins. Uh, and you could get the Hawks w- maybe throwing something I, else.
1: I think you'd have to throw in Marvin Bagley as well in that deal, probably. Would you I do Marvin
0: Bagley and Buddy Healed for John Collins? Uh, as if I'm the Kings,
1: absolutely. Um, if I'm the Hawks, I don't think so. But I I just think that Collins is Collins is much better than what he's build at right now i think personally i mean he's he's a restricted free agent i would just wait to see the interest on that and sign and trade if you feel like you can't keep him around if if he won't buy into the trey young uh circus but uh just i want to just do this narrative though for this trade deadline though because this is a weird nba season first Mm -hmm. of all though um where it's 72 games shortened season but we got 10 teams in the prospective playoff hunt because you have the two playing playing games. So now you're talking about one through 12 are now feel like they're competitive and feel like they have a shot at making some kind of playoff run. So that's really only six teams in the whole NBA. If you, if you agree with that three, six teams in the whole NBA that are for sure out of the running. So the Kings are in that weird edge where they don't, I mm-hmm. think they they want to play for it. They're, they they want to be buyers at the deadline. If home. they
0: want to play for it, they cannot trade Barnes. Then
1: I know, I know, and that's the thing is, but like I think you just kind of gotta cut your losses. I think like it's just like, what's the point to to just make it at the ten seed and then just get bounced, even if you do make it out of the playing round. I don't know. I mean,
0: it that's a good point, but what you gotta remember with a bunch of these teams, like for for absolutely. instance, the Kings, the Hawks a franchise like the Magic, the Hornets, some of these teams, they're so thirsty to get into the playoffs because they haven't in a while that they will be like, fuck it, it's worth it, even if we do get bounced out. And I don't know if they're wrong. Sometimes it is worth getting into that playoff experience, but we'll see how it all works out. I, well, think, I this-
1: still think Heald has got to go to make room for Halliburton. Yeah, yeah I think you trade Heald yeah. if
0: you're still like trying to Regardless, go for it this year. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think Just to him. maximize that value. Other team in the division, Lakers obviously going to be in the playoffs uh, Anthony Davis dealing with an injury he's been out Marcus, Gasol we have not been getting much from him this season and the Lakers are weirdly missing Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee uh, Andre Drummond is going to be on the buyout market uh, do you think that that is going to happen and how do you think that, I think that would be such a great combo for the Lakers having him be the lob guy and the dude can get a fuck ton of rebounds so I think that's a that's a good move a good move for the Lakers
1: well so Here's the here's the interesting thing, right? When the Lakers rebuilt this team, right? They they re-rearmed this this uh, championship team, right? And but they they got rid of two pretty crucial guys in Dwight Howard and Javel McGee, which we praised the Marcus Saul, I I even did the Marcus Saul signing and the Montrez Harrell signing. But like those rim protecting rim runner kind of athletic 7 footers yeah. were crucial to this team's success and you just got rid of that role completely. Yeah, and, and
0: Gasol's just so old. It's tough. He is.
1: He's. He's. He's a great defender. He provides a similar effect on defense and perimeter. Uh, wise is. W- it, it, that's still something I think he's underrated for. But you need a guy that's a lob threat. I think for for like LeBron and these guys to function
0: right, mm-hmm. if, and especially and, when you don't have Davis on the floor.
1: Exactly, and that's a lot of the problems. Is you those are the go-to guys when you don't have shooting on the sides. And KCP and uh, uh, Wesley Matthews are in another fucking slump again. So it's just like. I'm sure they'll pick it up by the time playoffs. I'm not really worried about the Lakers at all. But to your point, Andre Drummond is the perfect guy for this team. Like absolutely, he's like the best version of the Dwight Howard and Javale McGee role. I think like he's the Clint yeah. type. He's he's perfect for this team, and it scares me too because I think that's could be a really dangerous mm-hmm. dangerous move.
0: Yeah. Well, what I'll say is uh, right now I'm assuming Davis will come back, and I'm favoring the Nets. Not because of the Blake Griffin signing. That didn't change it. I still had the Nets. I just think the KD, Harden, Kyrie, like that, good luck keeping up with them scoring-wise. But we'll see. The Lakers getting Drummond, and assuming the Lakers have a healthy Anthony Davis and Drummond, obviously going with LeBron, that makes it like a pick I don't know, because I just do not know how the Nets could guard LeBron, AD, and Drummond. Mm-hmm. that would just be
1: absolutely and I, be I still ridiculous think that's why i still kind of been i've been saying this all season too since the Harden trade is that they the nets still need a big body still like another legitimate seven footer just to throw at those kind of teams because the the bucks and the Sixers are still going to be problematic i think the nets are going to be fine though in the end i think they can I, as we talked to ad nauseum is they're they're going to outscore almost any team on every night it doesn't even matter what kind of defense they play But I just I'm worried about the physicality is the thing. Mm -hmm. I I think that's
0: a it's a good point. It's kind of it'll be a yin and yang team with those two themes. And sorry to all our listeners out there, if you hear like it sounds like someone's like banging a hammer, they've been replacing the carpets in my apartment halls for three days now, and for some reason they're finishing up at 5:30 at night in front of my apartment. So shout out to them. They literally put this fucking like foam thing before they put the carpet on in the halls for, like, a day, and it sounds like – or it smells like if I stayed out in the hallway for more than, like, 20 seconds, I would be high as shit. <laughs> that, that's just a little look into my life. Um, but, yeah, I think Andre Drummond to the Lakers is absolutely terrifying if you're someone like me who doesn't want to see LeBron win again. Yeah. And that, that wait, could, really quick, I need to say yep. something, Josh. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's going on on Twitter with LeBron? He's saying a bunch of things, like, that is, like, praising Steph Curry, like – things that it's like, god damn it, I agree. Like he like had a couple comments about how he likes KD and Steph. And it's like it's that person you hate, but then they just start praising all the people you love and you're just kind of sitting there like, uh it was hard for me to watch the All-Star game. Yeah. I, well at least it LeBron wasn't because they were having fun. It exactly. was just, it was just so weird. I'd never mm. seen that side of those two and I was I was glad LeBron showed Curry some respect. Curry in the three point contest was absolutely freaking electric. He should be in it every year. Um, Absolutely, obviously, good, goal, good All Star game all around. Not really like the competitiveness, I would say, but just like it seemed like the league, like there's a lot of good vibes. If that makes sense, was, like it was thrown together the last. Minute. Yeah, yeah. seemed it like still, it was people were having a good time. Giannis yeah, and it Jokic came like out pretty well. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah. Embiid fucking being out there that sucked. sucked. I was, I, that, that's that, the, that's the biggest thing.
0: That dramatically changed the game
1: absolutely <laughs> like dramatic pretty good about that bet right after after mm-hmm. you bet on lebron so
0: yeah um let's go to our next topic here josh kyle lowry he has kind of thrown it out there that mm. he thinks he's going to be traded mm. that is what kyle lowry has been floating out there he has said he believes he will be traded we have not heard that from the toronto raptors but if we are to believe kyle lowry where slash will he be traded And I'm going to give you two options that I think are perfect.
1: I think you're missing a third. I I probably am. I I probably am. But go on. Go for it.
0: The first option would be the Denver Nuggets. And you have someone to hold Jamal Murray accountable. You have just a big game player to pair with Jokic. And just a court general to help that young team. I think that would be a great fit. The other one is the Philadelphia 76ers. If the Sixers get Kyle Lowry, they immediately jump in, in my opinion, to the Lakers-Nets class with the way Joel Embiid is playing and Tobias Harris is having a good year. Um, I don't know if Doc Rivers is going to be able to get out, get to a conference finals, but that was just a low-hanging fruit. Um, I think that that would be incredible if Kyle Lowry went to either of those teams because i do think that it makes both of those teams a very serious contender i will go to you to ask what is the third team and what are your thoughts on those two
1: it's the clippers is, is the third team that oh they, they, shit they desperately desperately need a point guard is the thing that's that's they been do. the biggest problem with the clippers that for these last two runs is as much as i love patrick beverly He's not a fucking floor general and he cannot lead your team down the stretch for these kind of these kind of games. They're one of the worst teams in the clutch time, and it's mostly because they don't have a good decision maker. You're you're forcing the ball to Kawhi. And Kawhi does the right thing like ninety percent of the time, but it's just something you don't want him to do always is the thing. And he's he just he's not that kind of player. Paul George, the exact opposite. He makes the right decision about ten percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And he's terrible shooting in the Beta. clutch too. So the thing is, they need a point guard to fucking fix a lot of this team's problem. Because offensively, it's still just like a, all right, we're gonna give it to Kawhi. He's gonna dribble around and do something crazy, and then it works usually because Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, a, a lot of too.
0: a lot of like pass the ball to Kawhi, let him ISO and just mm-hmm. stand and watch. Which exactly. Kyle Lowry having a guard like that changes everything, and it's actually. I mean, that's a really good point about how the Clippers have been missing that because if you think about it, the Clippers the last couple of years have been a very good team in the NBA. And we're kind of in this era, I think, where there's just such a wealth of playmaking point guards. They're all around the league, and it's kind of weird. Because yeah, if Clippers, you think, it's like, whoa, the Clippers don't have one. No. And yeah, they, of they that probably have the worst class, them and point the Nuggets. guard group
1: in the league, for sure. I, yeah, you, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think. Nuggets get
0: by because they have Jokic. Absolutely, and he play basically point is guard. their point guard, <laughs> yeah. It's a seven-foot um, point guard.
1: <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, but I just think that you need to get rid of a lot of these Reggie Jackson minutes, especially, too. Oh, it's, 100%. Yeah, and also, uh, it's just Lou Canard has not been good for them either, so I think you package him in the deal. Fortunately, Beverly or Lou Will might also have to be in this deal as well, which they're both crucial to this team's rotation but just to make the money work, you might have to do it. Who do you choose
0: over, Beverly or Lou Will? Put you on the spot.
1: I think Beverly does a little bit more for the team. If you get loud Yeah, I would would too choose Beverly. And also Lou Williams' struggles in the playoffs has also been written about also ad nauseum. That's the second time I've used that word today. Um, Look at you. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I just think that – yeah, maybe they throw in the Terrence Manns that deal as well, who I also really fucking like this year. Um, but the Clippers, here's the thing: Kawhi Leonard, free agent at the end of the year, can opt out of his contract. He can leave, and this whole thing is just over. Everything's just a, a train wreck. Like, we, it's, it's going to go. The odds of that happening are. It's right now. It's it's scarily high right now. Like you're not optimistic. I'm not very optimistic because I don't know what the fuck Kawhi Leonard is doing, and it scares me. Is they try to sign him to an extension. Some of the yeah. <laughs> Clear out great. the Andrew Wiggins and maybe Draymond contract. Yeah, we'll do
0: a sign and trade. We'll do a sign <laughs> and trade. We'll send you w- and we're not trading Draymond. Yeah, that's never happening. He's, He's just retiring making a money. Warrior. Retiring I, I don't a lawyer. I, 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 like, I agree he with you. You can get paid you. that much. He's making thirty million dollars to to put up ten points. Dude, if you're going to judge Draymond Green by the amount of points he scores. He's, he led the NBA in assists in February, I think. I know. Yeah, he did. I was I was the one that told you that stat.
1: But Well, there yeah, it I, is. I, I throwing agree. it back I'm, I'm in your face. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> um, um, I think – I'm curious what you think, though, do you, about, about that uh, 76ers. If Kyle Lowry goes to there, do you I, think that that puts them in the conversation? Because I think they're, like, right on the outside of it with the way Embiid's playing. Do you think that puts them over the top?
1: Well, Brian, he's from Philadelphia as well, Lowry. Strong connections to the Sixers organization. Um, I think he's wanted to play there for like most of his career. So I think if he had his first choice, it's probably Philadelphia as well. Um, I,
0: and really quick, Kyle Lowry has such a good relationship with the Toronto Raptors that I don't think they're trying to like fuck him over, send him somewhere. It's like, oh, he wants to go there. Let's not do that. No. He brought him a chip. They like the him a lot.
1: The counterpoint is DeMar DeRozan, though is they, they, they just shipped him off. DeMar DeRozan off didn't scenario. bring him a chip. That's true, but they he really, I don't know, he was the fan favorite even over Lowry during while they played together. Which was dumb,
0: which was dumb, because Lowry was obviously... Didn't you think Lowry was obviously better that whole time? I don't know about
1: obviously, but definitely if I had to pick one or the other, it's Lowry every time, but but I, I really... DeMar DeRozan had like a couple seasons where they just kind of traded off on who was the best player on that roster, which it was, yeah. it was fun to watch. They, they were really cool backcourt. But uh, that's the only thing is they still did the best move for that organization, and uh, Masai Nigeria is, is a very very smart GM and uh, president.
0: Would I, you trade like if you're Masai, you go like after Theibel or something? Theibel on a uh, Philadelphia, you get something like that.
1: Yeah, I think I think Philly's probably only willing to part with Maxi out of their like young guys, and I, I like mm-hmm. Maxi a lot. But again. Here's here's also the the argument for why I think the Raptors also do this, beyond the fact that they just have goodwill with Kyle Lowry. They're not very good this year. They're they're about eighth, I think, in that kind of mm-hmm. range, eight to ten. Um, but Fred Van Fleet's the future. He's a lot younger than Kyle Lowry. And I think you just kind of completely turn this over into the Lowry as your point guard of the future. He's he's been phenomenal when he's on the floor even without Lowry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean there there is some reason. To do it because I don't think they're going to re sign Lowry unless they give him no he gives way. Them a, a hometown I discount. So. But I, I really doubt it. Um, I, I think this has kind of run its course, and I think maybe it's time. Also, I just think that a lot of their younger guys, they need to kind of spotlight a little bit more if they have any chance because Lowry's not going to be on their title run the next time Toronto's in the title picture.
0: Mhm. All right, well, let's take a quick break and then we're going to get into Lamarcus Aldridge and I'm going to see how the people are literally pounding nails on my door right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> For sure.
3: <laughs>
0: All right, we're back. We're going to talk a little bit about Lamarcus Aldridge now, because Josh, it came out recently that uh, the Spurs and Aldridge have like mutually agreed to part ways and looking for a trade option for him. It sounds like the Spurs have like some suitors in the trade market for Lamarcus Aldridge. This is wild to me too. I yeah yeah how
1: how I, I don't know. He he looked like more done than Blake Griffin, arguably. And season. he was already slow. Yeah, exactly. He's not a great defender. He's I think it's he's just really a a smart player that can, that can space the floor for you and is sizable, I guess, is the thing. But like to me if you couldn't even trade Drummond,
0: how are you going to trade LaMarcus Aldridge? That's kind
1: of how I feel. I mean, Drummond's making like 5 million more around that, but like still, like I I I don't understand how this isn't a buyout guy. Like I don't Yeah.
0: Know. So but, maybe we're right and he will become a buyout guy, and they're bluffing, or maybe we're wrong, and he will get traded. Let's go with the route that he's going to get bought out, all right? I have three destinations where I think it's actually of two if he's getting bought out where I think it's possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's Portland and Boston. I think those are the two teams that would do it. Um, I think you could say the Raptors or the Heat, but I don't think the Raptors will do it because I don't think they want some marcus aldridge no they, they need a player they like, like that Boucher. They yeah, like and Boucher then a lot, i don't no, think I, uh aldridge fits in in miami no, i don't he think he's like a type of player kind of guy like I, yeah I that doesn't doesn't but fit to me
1: he's like i don't know like a he was a pop guy though so maybe but i took him a while a, to be a pop guy it, it, it did, wild to it be a did. You're, you're right, but he he does seem like a low-maintenance kind of guy. He, he seems like a good teammate, I guess, too, though. He just doesn't seem like he's a very egotistical
0: guy. And that's why he went mm-hmm. to San Antonio in the first place, it seems. That's but. why I think he's going to go to Boston. I, don't, I, agree. I think he's too petty to go home to Portland, because I do think he's kind of a little annoyed that they made Dame the Lillard Dame. the star, as dumb yeah. as that is. It's mm-hmm. obvious, but um, I could definitely see him going to the Celtics. How effective that will be for the Celtics i don't really know because i like what you're bringing in aldridge so you could have some extra size to throw at guys like Giannis and Embiid. he's you're not throwing lamarcus Aldridge on either of those guys i just don't see why but i do i do think he will get bought out and the celtics is where i would say if i had to bet my money what do you think well i think he's better than like
1: daniel tice like I, I think right. Like I think we can agree, right? Like that—that's what we would consider the Tice range. He, he could play that role perfectly, and I think pretty well for Boston. And I I agree with you that I think Boston makes the most sense. And I'm gonna add to that. I think this might even be a trade because Boston has their massive trade exception from the Gordon Hayward deal that they can make this salary work no matter what. Now I think they have their eyes on bigger fish. Is the, is the thing though where they they want more of a a Vucevic or maybe even who's the other guy
0: that uh I just they wanted read Miles it. Turner but I don't think that will happen. <laughs> I don't get why the Celtics wouldn't be going hard as fuck at Drummond. Oh, but the Celtics also really want Jeremy Grant.
1: Yeah, that's it. They thank you. Yeah, it was Jeremy Grant is the other guy. Was, they I think they want they prize Jeremy Grant and Vucevic at their that they want to use this trade exception on and maybe Mm -hmm. if they can get a buyout guy is the thing, because they're, what, they're 18 and 17, I think? Yeah, they have not had a good season so far. No, considering how the expectations, I I think a lot of it is, people talked a lot about this too, is that Tatum coming off of COVID just hasn't been the same player, just mentally, and Kemba's just been terrible this season, frankly, and you hope maybe he can turn it back on, but... um, the weirdest thing, though, I, I just a, a brief aside about Celtics. They did you know they run Tyson Tristan Thompson together in their starting lineups? That's terrible. That's wild. That's wild. Like every so I they're running know.
0: Kemba, the Jason Tatum Jay, or Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and those two. That's yeah. It's a weird lineup, and maybe when Marcus Smart gets back, he's
1: having his career year as well, and maybe they throw Tatum at the four. Yeah, yeah, I think Tatum. Tatum's like I think 6'10". Could do that I think. But he I could think do that you need a,
0: if you're gonna do that. If you're going to run Tatum at the four, there's no way in hell you could play LaMarcus Aldridge at the five.
1: No, probably not. He, he can't really. I, maybe there's certain teams, though, you could play that with. But um, I just think it's another guy. You can probably have, like, a rotation of him, Robert Williams, and maybe Tristan Thompson as well, just like a rotation of those. And, and Tice, I guess, if you want to throw him. Tice is good. I, I don't mean to, mm-hmm. to shorten him at all either, but I think Aldridge is, can play that role very well. I'm rooting I for think, the Portland, though. for For the record, is I, I still want to see him return to Portland. I think that'd be really fun. They've missed out on that center slash four position like this entire for run forever. With Damian Miller, mm-hmm. yeah. Zach Collins is just chronically injured. Yeah, that would be that would uh, be
0: fun. That would be cool. It'd be a cool story. Um, I mean, and it's just tough if you think about the Blazers defensively if they throw out Carmelo Anthony and Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> It's tough. Um, That'd be a really
1: fun line. Like just all. The it would fucking, be cool. It would <laughs> be cool. Carmelo, Dame, CJ and LaMarcus. It's just such a weird oh. combination of players.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go. I have another topic for you here. Mm-hmm. And this is. A, well, it will eventually relate to the trade deadline. But this is just kind of in general. What is Zach Levine's ceiling? Because I started. I didn't. When he was young. It was like, I don't know. He's raw. He can jump. He can kind of shoot. Does he play defense? Does he care that much? And then there was the era of like, holy shit, this dude can now score, but it's still, I think this year something has changed. Yeah. I'm starting to think like Zach Levine could potentially be like the second best player on a championship team. Like he's really, really good. And I, maybe I'm just glorifying the stats, but if I I think the bulls are doing decent this year, or I mean, not decent, but like they're fine, better, better than last year.
1: I honestly think they're probably in the same class as the Knicks, and the Knicks right now are in the fifth seed. So I, I think mm-hmm. that could easily be the Bulls just with a couple more good runs of basketball. Yeah. Um, so oh, go on. Go on. I was go just going to say
0: is um, with Levine's improvement, I think that kind of changes because I like Kobe White too. Um, I
1: love Kobe White. Yeah. He's, he's one of the best Are my the Bulls
0: going to be buying or selling at this trade line? And I guess what will answer that question is do we think Markinen? is staying around. So that's the name. That was, that
1: was the name I was going to throw out. He's the only one I think that gets moved off of this roster. If anything, I think though, they're going to be buyers. I, I don't know who it's going to be, but they still have Otto Porter on this team as well. Maybe they're the Harrison ba- Barnes suitor. Maybe I just, maybe as a wing type player, I, yeah. I don't know. They, I don't they know. could kind of outbid anybody for, for any of these deals really. Cause Chicago's assets are just a much better. Mm-hmm. Um, one hundred percent though, I agree. Levine is is I mean, I, I to answer your question though, I think this is the ceiling that we're seeing of Levine. Like and and it's great. Like he's phenomenal. But do you think he could do this
0: on so. a winning team?
1: <sighs> uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna go yeah. I, I, I think I think so.
0: Um I would have said no before this year and I think I, I I'm at it. like I'm at like a yesh. Not like a full yeah. yes, but like a yeah. Sh- I yeah. still don't like him as the number
1: one option. Like still, no, I don't think be I, as number you were one saying. Option. And and I still think, I th- he just doesn't play enough defense either, and that kind of worries me as well. But you also, don't I don't know you don't need him to play a shit ton of defense. I mean, Damian Lillard is not a great defender either, and he's you know taking his team to the five seed and to the conference finals two years ago. So, and I, by no means, I think he's even in the same stratosphere as Dame, but I'm just saying he has those Dame-like performances occasionally where he just can go off and it's, and it's mesmerizing. It's, it's wonderful. He's got,
0: he's got an unbelievable, like... Shoot shot. It's just he can go. Beautiful. He
1: reminds me of Jamal Murray in the bubble last year. Is the thing is that's how I feel like he is just on a night to night basis. More so, is he just has a chance to just strike gold just randomly at any point. I he can go toe to toe with any offensive player and match him. I I think in the in the league right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Jamal Murray, should, should Denver be quite worried about what's going on with uh Jamal Murray this season? Not showing up was what we saw in the bubble. Um, nothing well i we we talked about this at the start of the season
1: i i was not in favor of murray at all uh you you felt like he was this was his his uh homecoming into superstardom or maybe that's that's a little maybe that's overselling it but um i still don't really buy it with murray but i think you're playing alongside Jokic. you're gonna still put up fucking numbers regardless he's gonna mm-hmm. get you exactly what you want to do almost every night and he's had a really good stretch of games right before the all-star break where he was averaging almost 30 points and shooting pretty efficiently i mean he's, he's yeah picked it up i and think he can carry that in
0: i, I i'm like the, i'm still in on jamal murray i do mm-hmm. think that he's a, a bit hot and cold and we've seen that i just think the, that's
1: who yeah. he is
0: yeah but i do think like i don't I think he's a legit player though. Like hot and cold, yeah, but like that kind of implies like some nights he's not there. And if he's going to have that contract, he's going to need to that can't be how we describe him. He That's could a be point. a little streaky, but he needs to be more consistent. And just you were talking about Kyle Lowry earlier. I think bringing in a point guard that can really help get Murray the ball in strategic places I mean Jokic is damn good at it but a floor general like Kyle Lowry could really help him out with consistency
1: I 100% agree I think getting like an established point guard because Murray has Murray and Jokic kind of trade off point guard duties and it's I don't Jokic doesn't really care regardless but like Murray seems to need the ball in his hands to be a little bit more productive than anyone else on that team oh yeah and and I think yeah he needs his hand to be held a little Mm-hmm. for sure and there, here's the thing though too is though even if kyle lowry he's the cream of the crop here for the point cards there's a couple good point cards though at this sellers market uh at, at the deadline because you still got like the lowest on the spectrum is like the rondos right yeah i was You're gonna still, say rondo you got Rondos, <laughs> and then i think in the in the middle you have like george hill is also i think he's a he's mm-hmm. a very solid player he doesn't he's not a ball dominant player great shooter mm-hmm. and he's just a smart guy
0: Yeah, so that would be interesting where a guy like George Hill goes. On that note, I'd also say I'd be curious to see uh, if any team tries to swipe up Al Horford um, because he did look (laughs) terrible in Philadelphia, but I don't think he's looked as bad this year in Oklahoma City. And I do think if you can get him in a buyout situation or he's going to be an expiring after this year, I think he's a good guy to have around. Um, You just can't ask too much of him, I think, at this point in his career.
1: I, I was just laughing because I think it's it's funny that the Thunder are just this way station for teams. Oh yeah, like they just, and they're, they're just, just like
0: piling up picks.
1: They're they're geniuses over there. Uh, just Sam Presti is just such a yeah. fucking good GM. He's so he just he buys low on on Al Hor. Well, he, he's he, okay.
0: He's got to be a good GM now because he fucking blew it. He had Harden, <laughs> KD, had the and Harden. Russ, and he got rid of the other two or the other two left, and he chose Russberg, I guess. You um, just
1: guessed wrong on Harden ceiling and and uh, that was that's 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 tough.
0: tough, yeah. Good thing you got Stephen Adams. Um <laughs> okay, other thing I wanted to talk about as we're wrapping it up here today. Um Kevin Love, do we think I think I can't see <laughs> someone trading for his contract. I really can't. If he were to be a buyout. I mean, that he's would got, be three, big years yeah, he's be got so 3 years left. He's got 3 years left. Like Are I didn't ever think Blake Griffin, Kevin Love productive again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's still. I think Kevin Love is still good I'm enough. I'm not saying he's bad now. I'm just saying mm-hmm. he's not playing too much. He's stuck in Cleveland. Well, I, so. <laughs> I. don't think he's gonna get traded this trade deadline. No.
1: Do you? No. 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 I don't think so either. Especially because he hasn't played all season. Um. But the, the here's the funny thing about Cleveland is there's like just a massive disconnect with. How they view Kevin Love. The league views him and Cleveland does. Cleveland still sees him as a plus, like a positive contract for this deal where they, teams, I guess, around their league wanted them to attach a pick to, with and Kevin Cleveland's Love. Cleveland's not
0: fucking helping themselves with that because they're not playing him. So it's just de- deflating his value more and more and more and more. I agree. And it's just, I think that it's what Kevin Love's true value is probably somewhere in between somewhat what the Cavs want and what the league wants because. I do think that if you're a good team and you get Kevin Love, like theoretically, you're the Blazers, and you don't have to give up too much, I think you do it. And I think he's a positive. But I, I don't, I don't know. It just sounds weird that you'd have to give a first round pick to get rid of Kevin Love because I could see him going and being productive in some certain I agree. situations.
1: One hundred percent. I think you're you're lucky if you get a if you get a young guy out of that and just complete. If you can get off this contract, you're not going to be players, but you just it's just better not to have to even at the risk of going over the tax if you're a small yeah, market team with definitely. no aspirations
0: mm-hmm. um what are the rockets gonna do josh they got <laughs> pj tucker eric gordon victor oladipo i believe they have a top four protected first top pick four for, for yeah. So they want to be in that bottom four what do you see happening here
1: well so so here's the thing though just because it's really funny how the pick works right if it falls outside the four that one through four it goes to OKC, and then OKC's pick goes to the Heat, and then the Rockets get the worst pick out of this whole thing. They get they get the, <laughs> the so they would get theoretically if everything holds right now, right? If the if if it falls out, they're ending up with Miami's pick in like the late 19s around there or the, the mm-hmm. early 20s, and that that would be the worst case scenario for the yeah, team. Yeah, that would suck. You need a trade, like you need it. This is like the one case where you need a fucking tank. Them and probably the Timberwolves, arguably. I think t- you can get yeah. value for Tucker and
0: Depot. I think. I
1: agree, one hundred percent. Especially Depot's an expiring deal. I think a plenty of contending teams are going to want him. He's still great wing defender, uh, and he's potentially still going to be a great uh, uh offensive player on night to night basis. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not done playoffs. with Victor Depot. I'm not he's either. He's done. He looked good when he was on Indiana. He hasn't yeah. looked great since he's been on Houston. But here's the other reason why I think you gotta get rid of Oladipo. You gotta play all your young guys. You got you got a bunch of young guys on this roster too, like Jay Sean Tate, who's been like kind of came out of the blue and is very good. But also Kevin Porter Junior has lit up the G League. Oh as yeah, well. I'm like, dominating it. Yeah, he was fucking incredible and I think you gotta get rid of maybe Kevin Porter Junior is the future of this backcourt and so have him play a little bit with John Wall as a good point guard and just you can kind of make him into a, the best player possible so you play him christian wood john john wall you're kind of stuck with no matter what which mm-hmm. which is a shame but uh they, they got some players and they got yeah. some assets is is the thing so i don't i don't i'm not super bleak about this team either uh i don't know i guess boogie's just done i maybe they're still waiting on where he's gonna sign but like no one's even i haven't even heard anyone talk about yeah, i haven't signing seen any rumors it's kind of a shame. Which sucks. Yeah, yeah. I I like Boogie. Boogie. We both like Boogie.
0: I um, named my freaking dog Boogie.
1: Oh, that's cute. Um, yeah, but but yeah, they need a, they need a tank. Like they they yeah. absolutely need to. And they're they're probably the most likely to sell at the deadline. I just don't know where Oladipo lines up. Lines up. Probably Miami is probably my best guess. If just yeah, I would go
0: Miami. Up. I'd say Boston could low key maybe go at Depot. That might be interesting.
1: That'd be an interesting lineup because then you're talking. Oh man! If the do Warriors I reckon, could get
0: Depot for nothing, I would love that.
1: Would you trade Wiggins for Depot?
0: No. Would I? I I think no, 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 no. Neither of them. I like Wiggins. You and you like and,
1: Ubre? You like Oubre?
0: Yeah, Ubre started okay. bad, but he's a got A lot of defensive intensity. He's a good player. Uh, Here's I think the reason he just why was nervous.
1: The Warriors' situation would be weird because what do you do when Clay Thompson comes back and you have him, Wiggins, Ubre, and Oladipo? Like, well, that isn't that Oladipo like an expiring? A, he is, but so so. You just want to get you want him for this year, and then just like. Kick I him guess it
0: work. doesn't make the most sense, but I don't know. I'd yeah. love to see Steph get to do some damage in the playoffs this with, year after the like seasons leg- he's having.
1: A legitimate two guard,
0: another. Yeah, legitimate I think. Two guard, finally, Depot would him, add yeah. like a. He's a good defensive player, so that'd be good to pair with Steph. It but long term, yeah. you have Clay, so you wouldn't need to worry about that. That's um, kind of
1: the thing. So you still have to move off one of those four guys eventually, if you. Because yeah. I think whoever trades for Oladipo hopes they can keep him around. Also, is the, is the other caveat to that? Mm-hmm. But like, I it might just wind up being a one year rental for him, regardless of wherever he goes. Yeah. The other thing is Houston. Staff. They he declined the um a pretty generous offer. It was it was in like the mid twenty million. I think he's still looking for around like the. 27 million a year around he's million. he should
0: not get that but no um,
1: i agree i just think maybe with the rocket situation maybe he's that's the price tag but maybe just for houston that's not the price tag because if you they want to keep him around in, in this phase it's just funny that Karis vert looks a lot better on on that team it just just out, out of like time frame yeah but
0: yeah definitely he does i still don't understand why they traded him that still yeah. does not make sense yeah, to it's, me it's a, it was um, a weird thing that's all the time we have for this week. We will get we have something about the Mavs to talk about, but we'll just push that to next week because we'll be back to talk more NBA. Because, yeah. Josh, I bet you we might see some moves done and more rumors, definitely, as this trade season Still heats up. Still two weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. But, folks, stay tuned. Uh, Peter Gonzalez and I will be breaking down the finale of WandaVision the season is all over the show is over so if you haven't watched it spoiler warning because that's coming up but if you have buckle up it should be fun it was a, a cool finale great series and certainly a lot to talk about josh we'll see you next week for sure thanks for having me all right we'll be right back All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. We're going to be talking some WandaVision series finale. So if you haven't finished the show, go finish it and then come back because we're going to definitely be talking spoilers, post-credit scenes, all that stuff. And to do that, as I am joined every week, it is my good friend Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I'm super excited to talk about this. Mm -hmm. There's so much to talk about.
0: There is, and I think... uh, ironically like we did wait a bit for this uh to do this recording not that we really chose to just things came up and it's kind of allowed us each to have a little more time to process like what we actually just saw so i but i still really don't know what i saw i'm still i still have a lot of emotions but hopefully digging through this we can um start to make some sense of what happened so final spoiler spoiler warning for wandavision season one all of season one is done And um, we'll jump right into it. So let's talk about it. Uh, WandaVision finale season uh, one had nine episodes that we'll get to later. Some stuff we heard about rumors, but let's get right into it. This episode nine picks off right where we left in episode eight. So Wanda versus Agatha to free the kids. She's got them on her witch rope, I guess, is how I would describe it. You know, (laughs) pretty accurate. Yeah, pretty
2: much. It's the purple magic strangled around their necks.
0: Yeah, and so basically Wanda then is going to fire some magic at Agatha to free the kids. And we find out, though, that that's what Agatha wanted. The kids go to safety. They run to the house. And Agatha, we kind of can tell how we saw in an earlier episodes so how she's trying to absorb energy. So she can do that. She's trying to, like, kind of tempt Wanda or taunt Wanda into attacking. And it, it works out in Agatha's favor that time. But, I mean, I kind of think it was worth it. If you're Wanda, because you got the kids safe, we'll get to that later. Um, but then Wanda, it, with a very nice move to put Agatha down, she hits her with a car, a bus, a giant vehicle, and we get uh, she goes to see what happens, and we see get the Wizard of Oz type, uh, I guess Easter egg of the witched, Wicked Wicked West of the West, right? Yep. is that what it was? With the no. witch boots under the thing. So that was cool. Um, Let's, anything from that to start off, Peter? Did you get anything from that initial?
2: I mean, I thought it was a pretty interesting way to start off the episode. It was like, we're fully going into this right now. Um, mm-hmm. I liked how her, her mom's side, her mom voice, like her, her, the way she protected the kids. I thought that really came out when she told them and how she talked to the kids. It really kind of set up that Agatha had kind of crossed the line by going for the mm-hmm. kids.
0: And it's another thing that, it's a good point you make, because even though this world seems fake or whatever, we do see how much Wanda actually cares for her children and that motherly instinct. And you're right, Agatha crossed a line and Wanda's not going to hold back, it would seem. So the next big thing is that happens is as Agatha is disappeared, hit by the bus, wherever, white vision arrives. The vision from S.W.O.R.D. that Hayward's been working on um, the first thing he says to her, he says Wanda, exactly like how Vision in episode one or the beginning of this hex says Wanda to her. Did you notice that? Yeah.
2: And yep. so that's that's, that's heavy. stark difference.
0: <laughs> and then he grabs her uh, her head. And it, initially you're thinking like, oh, is he like, I don't know, just holding her head and going to say that he loves her. He remembers her. No, he starts to try to crush her head. With his vibranium hands. And he does like kind of taunt Wanda and say, I thought you were stronger. And right as that is going on, Hex Vision, our guy, comes up to save the day. He sends White Vision crashing into like a Winnebago type thing that I don't know what type of Winnebago that was. That thing blew up like it had like just (laughs) 35 grenades in it. Um, What'd you think of the whole White Vision Wanda interaction there? And then obviously Hex Vision coming in to save the day.
2: I think, again, it just kind of drove home the reality, the reality existing outside of the Hex. Like, this is not what she was expecting. It's not what she wanted. And all of a sudden, this version of Vision is coming in with the sole intent just to, to kill her, basically, which was mm-hmm. and what everything Vision wasn't. Vision was all about protecting Wanda. So yeah. I think that really shook her, too, which is why she didn't really have a chance to fight back. But I will say when Hex Vision showed up, that was such a cool moment because he was like, not going to let it happen.
0: Mm -hmm. And we've been kind of so when was it episode seven, the last time we saw him and Darcy? Like, you know how so we've been kind of waiting for Vision, I guess, to show up for a couple episodes, even though it might only been like 10, 15 minutes of time in the show. Yeah, I mean. Um, So yeah, that was hype. When he showed up, that was pretty sweet, and so we're going to get a cool interaction next between Hex Vision and Wanda. Wanda basically apologizes to Vision and says, I should have told you when I figured out what I'd done, Um, and uh, Vision kind of like has figured out what Wanda went through after he talked to Darcy. He says that he understands what she's going for. Kind of wanted him to be a little harsher, because it's like, yeah, you're going through a lot, Wanda, but... you got a lot of people, like, kind of as your prisoners. But, nevertheless, Wanda then says to Vision, I can fix this. And Vision says, can you? Because, and we're kind of getting that back and forth from earlier in the season. But uh, Wanda says, yes, Vision, this is our home. And Vision's like, all right, let's fight for it. And you get, for the first time since, what, episode four or five, Wanda and Vision are finally back on the same page. They're fighting together. And, um... I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation, I have to say. What do you think?
2: I liked it, too, because last time we'd see them together, they were kind of arguing. They were It was mm-hmm. Halloween episode. I think that was the last time they were together. Yeah. And so to see them come together, and I think when you get to the end of the episode, it really reinforces the strength of this conversation, because mm-hmm. when we talk about the end of the episode, this whole interaction between them really comes full circle by the end of the episode, because it's really the real vision so to speak that lives in her that's you know yeah i mm-hmm. try not to get too ahead of myself but like it just it's man, hard. It was really it's cool hard. to see and i liked yeah. that thought it really connected the two of them
0: mm-hmm. i agree and so what we got we basically have a a 2v2 battle or a 1v1 1v1 battle you got Wanda's is going to follow agatha towards the town and hex vision is going to collide into white vision you hear the like vibranium smash together and they go fighting into the sky which is honestly just the two visions going at it shooting the beams was awesome my favorite part of that initial interaction though between them peter was when white vision goes to rip off the mind stone on hex vision just like thanos did Vision is able to phase through, and then I was like, wait, why didn't he do that to Thanos? And you remember, he couldn't because he got stabbed by that, um, was it Cole Obsidian who did it? Or it was yeah, one of yeah. that thing and, uh, in, in Infinity War, and so that's why he was Thanos was really able to do that. So it was cool to see kind of a reference back to that, but Vision is successful this time. Um, and then we're going to go... <laughs> We're gonna see Monica trapped in Pietro slash Ralph's house, which is tough. This is tough. I think we should just go into it all right now. Well, let's just I, yeah. get this out of the way. Let's get this out of the way. So, I, folks, I am. This is. I love this show. I am. This is tough for me right now. I'm just saying. So basically. Pietro, fake Pietro, whatever, has Monica in kind of just like a basement-type thing where he's playing guitar, video games, very reminiscent of what he kind of was doing in uh, Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, that character. So they're getting your hopes up even more. He demonstrates the the super speed Quicksilver skills by keeping Monica in the room. And then Monica finds like a headshot like an acting headshot in some in some folder in the room and we find out that Evan Peters' character who we thought was Pietro fake Pietro Quicksilver whatever his name is Ralph Boner and it's not X-Men Pietro I guess I and so then Monica is going to like kind of figure out like what's controlling like so this is not uh, Wanda's brother who is this guy how is he doing this um, and so she realizes that this necklace he has on is kind of Agatha's way of controlling him and manipulating him um, and I can't get over this because then Monica's just going to rip the shit off and so he's back to being Ralph Boner and he has no idea what's going on and he's like don't hurt me I can't I. you just talk for a little so I can I I I'm just really bummed. I don't understand why you have a guy like Evan Peters come in who's a fan favorite just to make a boner joke. And I am very very immature. And I laugh at all sorts of things like that. But if I am the one being like, "Are you fucking serious? We have a boner joke that all led up to?" I just don't understand why you bring him in and get all our hopes like that. What do you think?
2: So, um a lot of my thoughts were echoes of what you said. This is the one thing we talked about. Aside. we talked mm-hmm. about nothing about the show except for this one little, kind of big thing that happened. But um, my initial thought, because I still I'm I'll, I'll die on this hill. where I stand that he has to be multiverse. The first thought I thought had thought I had. I can't even speak because I'm so. Ugh. Yeah. The first I thought I had was I remembered in um, the Captain America movie, Agent Thirteen we were led to believe was just random Agent 13. She was, she was nobody, just an agent assigned to watch him. And then in Civil War? Is it Civil War? Where so. he goes to Peggy, Where he goes to Peggy's funeral, and he finds out that Agent 13 is really Sharon Carter, mm-hmm. Peggy's niece. So up until that point, she was just some, some random Agent 13. So I fully believe based on that little glimmer of hope that I'm giving myself, that he is X-Men Universe, Fox Universe, Quicksilver, I fully believe that, because it doesn't match up that he has a name that corresponds with him, that he has a picture with that, the, same, the picture and the person are the same name, when, like, Dottie had a different name, everybody else in town had different names that Wanda gave them. He doesn't. It doesn't make sense that he has the speed. Like, that kind of threw me off. Like, why would he be really fast?
0: Yeah, can Agatha give someone super speed? That's what I'm... I feel like that's a stretch.
2: Because what stood out to me, too, is when she was fighting Wanda at the beginning, she's like, I take power from the undeserving. So I don't think she would give him power. I feel like she did manipulate his talking points in places. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that she gave him the speed. I also... I feel like episode what, episode four was that when, we, when it's, um, we interrupt this broadcast where it's Jimmy Woo meets Monica and he has a witness protection person and Marvel's not going to toss out some random witness protection person in West like, That doesn't make sense to me. I know that, that, that the aerospace engineer has been debunked, how they decided mm-hmm. to proceed with that. I believe multiverse theory and um, there is that very recent Elizabeth Olsen interview that talks about Pietro. And I sent you the clip, and it's about... She mentions multiverse, and how she didn't understand the multiverse until she gets to Doctor Strange 2. She understood the multiverse theories. So, talking about that, right when you're talking about Evan Peters playing Pietro, and just what's been littered throughout interviews throughout, because I, like, deep-dived. Like, I went to, like, read almost every interview, everything possible. I feel like he has to... He is going to be Quicksilver. I feel like, yeah. Especially if we have... Um, The same J. John Jameson and Spider-Man from the different worlds. Like, if he can mesh into this world, it's highly possible that something brought other people into this world, too, even if it wasn't Wanda. So Mm -hmm. I'm fully still believing that he's not Ralph. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm 100 percent with with you. I am disappointed that that this is kind of how this uh, storyline in this series ended. I do think I guess I'll die on this hill. I believe Kevin Feige is a genius, and whatever Marvel does really honestly always works, and I don't think Kevin Feige would go down this road again as kind of just an F.U. troll to the fans because the last time something like this happened is like the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. I love Iron Man 3. It's one of my favorite MCU movies, and not that many people share that opinion, but I love it. And it really pissed people off when the Mandarin was kind of revealed to be fake and not the real Mandarin. It was all like a a scheme. And I think this is worse than that because Quicksilver is such an iconic character in the comics. So is Mandarin. I'll give you that. But Evan Peters was also really loved from those Fox X-Men universe movies. And those movies have a lot, a lot of problems. But Evan Peters' role in them is fantastic. And I just think... The fact that he shows up, and we see J Jonah Jameson, like you said, and the next Doctor Strange movie is called Multiverse. There's gotta, there's gotta be some sort of connection that we are not seeing. I was thinking maybe like, so like Cthone is the person who Cthone is like the dark hold person, the god of chaos magic, super bad dude. He could have brought. Uh, Pietro over from a different multiverse maybe potentially I just, think it would be freaking insane if they waste him and don't because it's like then I just don't understand why the MCU doesn't want to have a Quicksilver so bad because if you think about it they introduce him in Age of Ultron and after like what 10 minutes of him being a good guy he dies and then they don't mention him literally ever again until is it this show? it might be
2: I think and so.
0: then you bring in Evan Peters and it's like, oh, he was no one. I just... I would be surprised if there wasn't a bigger plan here, I guess.
2: And I feel like if you were gonna do the whole faked-out Quicksilver wasn't really anybody, bring in some other random actor to yeah. do the recasting and then it works that way. But when you do a recasting that's so specific to something, it just it has to lead to more. And I feel like marvel does do that where they put things in play that they're going to use later on mm-hmm. so i almost feel like they wanted to do quicksilver but also they didn't get him cleared until like the very end they didn't get clear clearance to use them Peters to begin with yeah so i feel like because of that they a lot of stuff maybe isn't fully fleshed out but also i have to remind myself this is one part of a larger you know marvel cinematic universe i mean there were what 22 movies in 2021 in the first couple chunk of movies that were connected. So things can definitely expand. And then again, there could be thousands of explanations for how he gets in, because Wanda's chaos magic is supposed to weaken the multiverses anyways. Yeah. So, so.
0: We could learn, I mean, what, just jumping off what you just said there, the beginning of Doctor Strange, or whatever the turning point is of that film, we might see Wanda figure out, or Dr. Strange explain like, hey, how this is how he got here. I'm holding out hope for that. Let's get back into what's going on in Westview or right outside of Westview. Jimmy Woo is captured by Hayward slash sword. Um, and basically, Jimmy Woo is kind of talking trash to Hayward saying like, dude, you're going to get in trouble for this. Like there's tapes, like there's receipts, bro. Like you're not going to get away with this. And um, Hayward's basically all he says is like, well, if I'm the one who stops Wanda Maximov and I rescue the vision that she stole, everyone will call me a hero, which sounds very shallow. But like maybe it's kind of true, given all that's happened recently in the MCU. Um, Jimmy kind of gives a threat of basically saying like his friends from Quantico are going to be here within an hour. Um, what is Quantico? Do we know?
2: I think it's just the FBI. Oh, OK. But I think, but also, I can't remember if um, Sharon Carter is FBI or CIA. That's the only thing I don't remember.
0: Okay. Well, maybe someone will write in and tell us. we're well, we going to get Sharon Carter uh, in a week. So maybe we'll relearn that, some stuff about her. Um, and then, so Jimmy is somehow in this, when he's talking with Hayward and kind of getting reamed. Uh, Hayward makes a corny vision joke. Um, Jimmy Woo is somehow able to steal a buzzing phone off the table when he's surrounded by 15 sword agents with his, while he is handcuffed. So that happens. That shows how dumb Hayward is, I guess. And so he's thrown in basically this like little jail cell. That's kind of like a barn, I guess or some hay. And he uses one of his magic tricks, I guess to lock, pick his way out of the handcuffs. Uh, shout out to Ant-Man again, he, Jimmy Woo. And it's inspiring magician, aspiring magician um and yeah and then he calls quantico and says hey i need you to be here within an hour so that's what we get from jimmy um and then let's go back into westview peter Wanda's is going to follow agatha downtown to westview and we start to get some explanation of what that book was a couple episodes ago so agatha is going to tell wanda that the the, there's an entire chapter in the dark hold about you wanda the scarlet witch the dark hold is the book of the damned The Scarlet Witch is not born, but she is forged. The Scarlet Witch's power is bigger than the Sorcerer Supreme. She is destined to destroy the world. And what did you take from that? Because that is so much to unravel. That was just just so much information. Information dump.
2: Just whoa. I mean, I think the forging definitely speaks to the trauma she's had to deal with. I mean, episode eight gave us the full look at all the trauma she's experienced. I think what was interesting was when she's looking at the dark Darkhold, on the one page you see the Scarlet Witch. On the other page you see what, in my mind, is allusions to the multiverse with the different spheres. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a um, good point. I think it's interesting, the comment's stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme, because I also don't think... Is Doctor Strange officially the Sorcerer Supreme? I don't know if he's officially
0: yet. He's on his way, for sure.
2: I I think that was interesting.
0: I kind of... I am skeptical of the fact, like, the Scarlet Witch's power is bigger than the Sorcerer Supreme. I just, like, the Sorcerer Supreme in the comic books is, like... It's kind of freaking insane. And I know the Scarlet Witch is, too. So maybe they maybe what that meant was that Agatha saying, yeah, you're way stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme right now because he's not the Sorcerer Supreme yet. That could be what it is. And or maybe mm-hmm. this, um Wanda is truly the most powerful human in the entire universe. Could be definitely true. Um, and then let's talk about the Darkhold a little, Peter, the Book of the Damned. Who created the Darkhold? Can you let everyone know? Because I believe you do know this.
2: I do. I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong, though, if I say Cathone, right? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, I, am that, right. yeah. I am right. I am right. yeah. <laughs> so, <here>. Come on. <laughs> I knew like, you had it. Oh, yeah. So, essentially, he's like we've said, you know, the dark chaos magic. However, he's like, he can't get into this world, basically. Mm-hmm. However, in the comics, he uses Wanda. I think he also specifically uses the kids also to kind of come through the world because of her continued use of the magic. Which does kind of start to break things down. Excitedly so for us fans. But also not so great for the universe in the MCU. Because things are going to start to go haywire.
0: Yeah. And so. Yeah. He's a super. Back like h- hundreds and thousands of years ago. Or whatever. This dude's around. And he's a super bad person. And what he does is he writes the dark hold. And it's just the dark Darkhold. Just think of the worst book that could possibly ever exist that just gives the people who use it power chaos magic just super dark spells that are banned everywhere and so he can kind of use that and that chaos magic that people use from the book like you were saying to try to get into this world and um it is interesting i think kind of what might have happened in this series is that uh, Agatha's kind of been with Cthone or has had this Darkhold for a while that's why she was persecuted uh, as a witch in um, 16, the 1600s and basically the Darkhold and her had just been like waiting by and then I would say probably the Darkhold helped Agatha sense what wa- was going on with Wanda and that's why it's, it's migrating towards the Scarlet Witch because that's maybe how Cthone can come back
2: which I mean will be quite the setup for Doctor Strange 2 mm-hmm. I think, I think. How much more can Wanda take? Though it's like, let's just throw one more thing at her.
0: I know it's crazy. I think what's kind of what might happen. Actually, we'll wait. We'll wait. I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Um, And so we'll go back into this conversation between Wanda and Agatha. Wanda's gonna say like, "Hey, I'm not who you think you are." Um, Agatha then goes and lifts the spell that Wanda has put all the citizens of Westview under. And then Dottie comes up to Wanda, and we find out her name is Sarah. And she asks Wanda if she can let her child wake up, get out of her room. She just wants to hold her. And then this slowly starts happening. More and more townspeople are coming up to Wanda. I believe Herb says, like, I don't even know what, why I was, didn't want to be here anymore. Just, like, they're seriously confused. Um, and then uh, Deborah Joe, Rupp, they're all telling her how when they sleep, they get her nightmares. So this is, like, awful. And I really quickly wanted to go to you with the Dottie thing because I just said that and I went on. It's So we find out, Peter, that basically every child in Westview, except for the Halloween episode, is in their room sleeping and their parents are unable to, like, either go in the room or talk to them, which is – that is incredibly dark. And that is a side – that is on Wanda. That is the one thing, like, Wanda has been through so much – as more and more of this evidence keeps stacking up of things, it's like, Jesus, Wanda, like, but what's your take on this?
2: I saw it, I saw it two ways. I saw how you just said, you know, it's definitely a lot darker, but I also saw it, I think it was, I think it's Halloween episode, pre-Halloween episode where Vision says he never sees any kids. And I think when she has the conversation with Quicksilver, she talks about how, you know, they're sparing the kids from the trauma of going through this. So I think part of her doesn't want them to get to deal with this trauma going through the motions of being in this. But at mm. the same time, she's not really aware of her power. So they yeah. are being hurt through this.
0: Yeah. And um, it, th- this scene is just really like haunting and depressing, honestly. And then this causes Wanda to do like a, she like kind of explodes and her chaos magic goes out. And all of a sudden all of the citizens around Wanda have like a little, red rope type thing magic thing around their throats and she's choking them with this chaos magic and um wanda realizes this and realizes what she's doing and so she stops it and then um i think the line that really forces wanda to open up the hex because that's what she does right after this is a kitty from that 70s show deborah joe Rupp, says if you won't let us go let us die
2: that was Telling. that was tough
0: that was tough there's also i forgot to say this but there's one woman who comes up to wanda and says can you tell my husband is like because he left on like a vacation or something tell him to never come here or something like that so really dark stuff wanda opens up the hex and she starts basically saying all right everyone can go everyone can go and this does two things it allows hayward and sword to get into the hex with their army type tanks and all their guns. Um, Wanda then though has to stop this process because she starts to see vision and her kids start to, I guess like evaporate. It's not like the snap. It's a little different. It's kind of like puzzle pieces from that really famous Wanda vision, uh, the cover art on that comic book. But, uh, We see her put the hex back because she's going to lose her entire family. And so the people don't escape. And all that really happened is Hayward comes in. Uh, You had something about Oz the Great and Powerful. Do you want to go into that, a little Easter egg? Yeah,
2: a little Easter egg. So when when the whole world is being opened up, Westview in itself is transitioning through all the decades it's gone through. And for a small second, on the movie theater marquee, it shows Oz the Great and Powerful, which was directed by Sam Ramey. Who's doing Doctor uh, Strange too? And you know that's another Wizard of Oz callback again with the boots at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think what was interesting when everyone starts falling apart, like we said, like the puzzle pieces. Oops, my tripod fell down.
0: You're good. No worries. Ugh. We're a common man uh, podcast.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <So> with... <laughs> that's how we do it, folks. So with the puzzle pieces, I think it's because I believe it's earlier in the episode when she Agatha's having her initial conversation she tells Wanda that Wanda made the mistake of tying her kids and vision to the hex because again, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's still going at this as she goes. So I think that was really telling uh, again, how Wanda's not fully aware of what she created.
0: Yeah. And um, so after she puts the hex back together, we get a very cool shot of, cause vision and the kids are put back together, stopped at, like evaporating or whatever, and the family is together ready to fight. And it is just a hundred percent, gave me so much like Incredibles vibes. It was the Incredibles Pixar movie, which funny enough, I was thinking about this, I was like, Oh wow, what a tribute to the Incredibles! And I was like, Oh, what the Incredibles are basically a tribute to the Fantastic Four, <laughs> if you think about it,
2: like the very True,
0: yeah. Um, so. Hopefully Fantastic Four comes soon. Fantastic Four confirmed, some would say. Just kidding. Um, and so the, the family's ready to fight, you know. And the one thing, though, we start to notice is Wanda's hands are all discolored and looks like the life force is kind of, like, being sucked out of them. Like, uh, so that was, that was very gnarly. Um, and basically now what we have happen is we have three battles to, that are going to happen to finish off this finale first one we have is Hex Vision versus White Vision. The other one we have is Kids versus the Military, which is a funny line, but that is true. That's what happens. And then you have Wanda versus Agatha, obviously still yet to come. So, Peter, let's start with Hex Vision versus White Vision. Um, actually, let's start with the Kids versus the Military. We'll get go through that pretty quick. Um, basically... They're, they're all getting ready to fight. The military's here now. They have three threats. And so Wanda and Vision say, Vision says to the kids, like, um, I'm sorry, we haven't prepared you for this, basically. And then Wanda goes, but you were born for it. And so she tells the kids to go take out the military. Not take out, just kind of, like, disarm. Not not kill anyone, obviously. But, um, and so they're able to successfully do that. Uh Wicked and speed, they use their powers. And then the bad, bad douchebag, Hayward, gets out of the car with a gun and just starts unloading on two children. Like he snapped. Like Homeboy he just shot, lost it at that point. He shot eight bullets or something at two, like 10 year olds. And which just, yeah, the dude has lost his mind. He is off the rocker. He, that, that was kind of like, I do have problems with how they didn't really develop him enough, Hayward, but that, I thought, was actually a good, kind of a good way in a weird way to like show, like, yeah, dude, this lo- dude's lost his mind. Like, he just pulled up on two 10-year-olds with a pistol, who the 10-year-olds clearly weren't harming any of them, too, is the other thing. Um, and so then what happens and he shoots those bullets is Monica Rambo, Spectrum, uh, what's the other one? Oh, Tom. Photon, um, we see her jump in front of the kids and basically she allows the bullets to pass through her because her body is all like energy now, I guess, and it doesn't hurt her and they drop. And then there's actually the one bullet gets by her and it's headed right for Wiccan and he uses his uh, whatever magic, whatever his powers are kind of to stop the bullet, which then leads Hayward to run away like a scared douche like, I just every time i think of a way to like describe hayward it always ends with like something like that just loser or something i just don't like this guy um and then so he gets into the car and he starts like trying to bail which one other thing about that like dude the the hex is closed buddy like where, where are, are you going go? <laughs> and um just as he's doing that uh we see a ice cream type truck whatever that thing was that darcy was driving crash into hayward and Hayward is essentially done. He is caught. And uh, in the post credit scene, we do see, or at the end, I don't even think it's post credit scene, we do see he is getting arrested. Um, so that's the end of our boy Hayward for this episode. Let's get into hex vision versus white vision. You want to take a lead on this one, Peter?
2: So I thought that was very interesting and very vision of it, very vision oh, yeah. to have that kind of, of battle. It's so cerebral, you, you, eloquent. Yeah. Just you have two like
0: destructive machines, but because it's vision and Paul Bettany, they start talking about like the ship of Theseus instead of like fighting, which is great. But keep going, sorry. So they
2: have this conversation about the ship of Theseus and basically compare that analogy, that theological analogy to their own selves as hex vision and white vision. And it actually pauses the battle, which Mm -hmm. is so it seems so bizarre but it's also so Marvel to, like, all this insanity is happening, and we're going to take a quick dip and go here and really hit you with something. Yeah. And so they're just having this back and forth, and it basically leads to a really interesting moment where, Vi- where Hex Vision tells White Vision that White Vision has the data inside of him. It's just buried in there. Like, he just needs to figure out how to get to it. Yeah. Because currently... White Vision's sole objective is to kill the vision, mm-hmm. however, technically, he is the vision.
0: Yeah, and so that's how Hex Vision kind of blows his mind and is like, are, How are I think your vision? Like, I'm not the vision, and so that's like how it compares to Ships of Theseus. Because the Ship of Theseus is all about basically you have this old boat, and if you slowly start replacing the planks on it, once all the original planks are gone and it's a new boat, is that the same boat? Or, if you were to take all the pieces of the boat that you took off and put them together, is that the true ship of Theseus? And so that's an identical, I guess, analogy to these two visions, because you have vision who has all the memories, all the rot, I guess, and then but doesn't have the new ship, like the, the sturdiness that white vision has. But White Vision doesn't have any of the experiences or the journeys, I guess. I loved that. I thought that was so freaking cool how they brought that in. And yeah, that's a total Marvel move because we could have watched them hit each other and shoot stuff, their vibranium, but they just, sorry, I just really liked that so much. I thought that was so cool.
2: It honestly could have been like that scene in um, Batman versus Superman where Batman's fighting Superman and then for some Stupid reason they stop fighting. I forget what it is, but it's just something really dumb.
0: That so Marvel could have done problems. it. And
2: Marvel's like, we are not DC. Like, mm-hmm. we're gonna do something actually really cool and make you think. So basically, Hex Vision is able to touch where the Mind Stone was for um, White Vision. White Vision. How many times am I gonna say Vision? This yeah, mentioned. it's tough. <laughs> and he basically re- he taps into the data and so he's able to see a lot of the events of the MCU up into this point what was interesting was that some of those events vision wasn't at some of the wanda events he was stuff that wanda would have had to have told him mm-hmm. so he's getting more essentially and more understanding of who vision technically is even though he now even though he's technically still not og vision he still now has the yeah. data of vision Mm -hmm. and then he dips yeah
0: he dips we have no idea where he goes we have no idea how that will work of him getting that information will it just be information to him will he have some sort of like attachment to it how will his if he has all these memories of wanda does he just view those as i remember that but i do not feel that way i think there are a lot of uh possibilities for how that could go so i'm actually pretty excited about that i thought that was a good way to wrap that up and so we have the final battle then peter is wanda versus agatha and so we see wanda approach agatha kind of like how she did in age of ultron to tony and everyone and we have her get inside agatha's mind and takes her back to like the worst memory basically like how she does to all the avengers and um, it's back to the salem in the 1600s back to where uh, agatha was getting um about to get like killed or whatever and wanda then tells agatha that the difference between the two of them kind of taunting her is that agatha did all this on purpose wanda didn't which is true that is true it's a point for wanda and then though creepily all the witches rise from the dead and they end up turning on wanda and calling her the scarlet witch so they sense like how powerful she is Um, and then Agatha's, like, asking her, give me the power, I'll let you keep your fake reality with your fake family in Westview, I can fix the spell, all this sort of stuff, and, um, we get back to the real world, and this is, I guess, where Wanda just starts to let freaking loose. But, oh, we did see, I have to say, uh, the crown kind of appear of the Scarlet Witch when she was in that memory with Agatha. What'd you take from that whole Agatha thing? Sorry, so much happened to that,
2: I feel like I talked for an hour, and then, but... <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I think it was really interesting to see how Wanda created this, sort of put Agatha through this memory trauma that she endured, mm-hmm. but Agatha was able to flip it, because again, Agatha's had years and years and centuries of learning stuff. And she basically also tells Wanda that Wanda's basically broken, that her whole world is broken, oh, it's yeah. broken, yes. and she's never gonna, it's never really going to be reality because it's broken. So she's basically just piling more onto her as if episode eight wasn't enough. She's was like, let me just keep throwing things at you and show you that you're never going to have happiness. You're never going to have clothes. You're never gonna have anything. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting way to, again, play up the grief and the trauma aspect where it's like, it, she's reinforcing all the negativity and telling that that's who Wanda's going to be for the rest of her life. So Wanda mm-hmm. is basically then, it's like, okay, you know what? Just, I'm going to throw everything at you. But again, Agatha wants that. She wants mm-hmm. her to throw it and let her have it.
0: Yeah, and we, so we see Wanda start to fire off all her chaos magic and hitting Agatha. And as the audience at this point, we're kind of thinking that Wanda's just like kind of done. And she doesn't have a master plan here. And she's just kind of like, get this away from me. And so she starts really just pouring in to uh, Agatha. like Every other second, she's blasting giant magic. And she starts to look incredibly frail. And drained, kind of like how her hands were in the earlier in the episode, like the whole body. It looks like she's about to die, I guess. Um, and then Agatha taunts her one more time and drains all the magic. And right when she really is going to send like the kill shot, nothing. She's not able to use her magic. I think she does. She tried twice. It might be twice. I think I twice. Th- yeah. She tries twice. And so she has no idea what's going on. And then we see Wanda start to slowly like come back to normal, I guess. And she reveals that she actually cast runes on the hex on the outsides. And because of what Agatha taught her earlier, only the witch who plants the runes can use magic in a given space. So that really, that's like checkmate Agatha call back to an earlier episode as well. So Wanda absorbs back all of her chaos magic. And I think some of Agatha's dark magic, um, And takes the form of the true Scarlet Witch in the MCU. What we saw in the earlier episodes, Peter, in the reflection in her eyes when she was with the Mind Stone. It was so badass. Her costume as the Scarlet Witch is so sick. She is a hundred times cooler now in the MCU. Not that I didn't like Scarlet Witch. I just felt like they hadn't explored her enough. And now we're at that level where I think we've talked about this. It's kind of similar to like the Phoenix Force in a way of Jean Grey but I could not get enough of the Scarlet Witch finally just being so badass. What did you think?
2: It was a really cool way to show it because, again, it's the culmination of the eight episodes up to that moment. So you have, well, not just the eight episodes, all the little moments that she's been in all the other movies yep. to kind of show you what her power's been. And then in this moment, when she becomes who she's meant to be, it's, and it's such a sick costume that like we talked about. Like, it has so Echoes cool. of Magneto to me, like the color scheme. I definitely yep. got some of back to the was more of a burgundy as opposed to like the bright red. So I yeah. thought that was really cool and I kind of like and I like how she could have also at that point just destroyed Agatha but instead she like brings her back down to earth and like basically tells her you're going to stay here. Mm-hmm. You're going to stay in this little town of Westview and you're going to play the role that you invaded my world with the nosy neighbor and that's where you're going to be stuck. And I thought it was interesting that again this does set up if she's going to come back in the future but Agatha does tell her a couple things.
0: Yeah, she tells one of the she has no idea what she has unleashed. And she's going to need her help. Like you said, it's setting her up to be in the future. And I think they probably, when they said this line in the show, they set it up so she could come back or she couldn't. I think at this point, when they've seen the audience's reaction to Catherine Hahn's character and how successful that would be, I would be shocked if she is not back. I see her maybe taking some sort of Loki role honestly in marvel and we start to see her around a lot maybe in phase four um but yeah uh the it is a kind of she's basically telling Wanda, like you don't know what you're doing with this dark hold you unleash some stuff you're gonna need me and wanda's like good because i know where you are i'll come get you and that um kind of wraps up the wanda agatha uh fight and we're gonna have now it's gonna get really sad wanda vision and the twins are going to head home after all the threat has been taken care of, um, they go into the house, they tuck their kids in, they say goodbye. Um, you had a good point in our notes where you said, wouldn't Billy be able to read her mind and know that was coming? Yeah. yeah. that I, I'm curious, like how maybe he did knew and just accept it. Maybe Wanda was blocking it. What do you think?
2: I think – I don't think she was blocking it. I think he knew. I think because, again, he's known – He knew when when Vision was in trouble in in the Halloween episode. He Mm -hmm. knew that he couldn't hear Agatha. He knew the sort of things that were going on. So I think that kind of, again, does speak to their appearance later on. Maybe why he's not freaking out is because he kind of knows something, too. Because Mm -hmm. even the kind of look, the last look the two of them shared, too, is a little bit different than the other two. So I think he knew what was going on. I think she also kind of realized that he knew.
0: Interesting. I I think you're probably right there. Um, And then a few more things that Wanda says to the kids. She says, I thought this was interesting. Wanda thanks them for choosing her to be their mom. Um, I I don't know what that necessarily implies. So we will see. Uh, I don't think it's like the movie Soul where you can like pick. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like where you choose.
2: Right, but also, I mean, if we are tying this to Shitha... how do we say his C- name?
0: kathon C- 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 or kathon
2: C- If we're tying it to kathon C- you know, then it could be similar to the whole in Mar in in DC, Zeus, Diana Prince makes Wonder Woman out of this clay statue, whatever. Like theoretically, could have played put these random kids there that mm-hmm. became her kids. Like there could and be she more it kind of gives it that open ending where there is more to where the kids could come.
0: Mm -hmm. And then Wanda tells them family is forever. We could never truly leave each other. If we tried, they say goodbye to the kids. And then I got this, uh, the next lines of dialogue between Wanda and vision. I'll just go through it because I think that this is just a, a 10 out of 10, a clinic on how to make someone people care about something that they didn't used to. And it's just poetry. Um, we get Wanda and Vision saying their final goodbyes. Vision goes, um, "I read some." This is after Vision turns turns on a light. He goes, "I read somewhere that's bad luck to say goodbye in the dark." And Wanda goes, "No, you didn't." And Vision goes, "No, no, perhaps not. Perhaps I just wanted to see you clearly." Wanda goes, "And," and Vision goes, "And there you are." We start to hear the hex coming in, knowing that they only have a few more moments together. And Wanda. Vision goes to Wanda. He says, Wanda, I know we can't stay like this, but before I go, I feel I must know. What am I? And folks, these next two lines. Holy crap. Peter, do you, you read Wanda's line, and then I'll do Vision. Okay.
2: Ah, it's, just, it's just, okay. You, Vision, are the piece of the mind stone that lives in me. You are a body of wires and blood and bone that I created. You are my sadness and my hope, but mostly you are my love.
0: And Vision comes in with, I have been a voice with no body, a body but not human, and now a memory made real. Who knows what I might be next? We have said goodbye before, so it stands to reason. We'll say hello again. So long, darling. And Vision vanishes the hex comes apart and i just paul paul bettany and elizabeth olsen deserve every emmy ever that 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 was the i i mean i didn't think we're gonna see something that came close to like what is uh grief but love persevering and this this does right there this is insane the I have been a voice with no body a body but not human and now a memory made real just it is so good Paul Bettany I tweeted this if there's ever a movie about me which folks we know that's gonna happen it's gonna be a great movie I want Paul Bettany to be the one filming it or narrating it because he just I think he has been
2: unbelievable in this show Uh, any thoughts on that Peter that whole uh, scene it's it's just even just rereading it right now and just thinking about it again it's like It was such a great callback to Infinity War. Again, when Vision holds her head in his hands, you know, and he's telling her, you know, it's going to be all right because he knows what has to happen if they can't get the Mind Stone out. And so to have this full circle moment where now she's saying goodbye, but it's on her terms, everything's now again on her terms. She's reclaimed everything that she's lost, essentially. And the two of them are forever going to be connected. It was so because it transcended just the fact that this was a show about superpowered individuals. It's like, this is, it it connects to people outside of it. It was like, I love comic books so much. It was such a great, I mean, this can't be ignored for an Emmy. It can't be ridiculous to ignore it. This is so good.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this is a great example of like why I love comic books and these superhero stories so much is because, It does have these like real life undertones going on in them. And it's not as heavy, I guess, sometimes when it's like a super powered human going through it or stuff like that. But it is relatable. And I thought that this show does a great job of showing how hard it is to move on from stuff. And I think that it should be deserving of an Emmy, because if you really think about what this show is about is incredibly deep. The acting is incredible. The only reason that you would be able to like I don't understand is like, oh, because there was a little action we can't I, I don't see that. I think that this show is incredible in the acting, especially. Um, So Hex vanishes. So do Vision. the boys, the house, we're back to the property where it's just basically the the foundation. There's no house where that vision got for Wanda. Um, And then Wanda is going to go on basically a walk of shame through the town where everyone's glaring at her. Um, She says goodbye to Monica. Monica says the town will never understand what Wanda had to give up. Um, And, uh, I think Wanda essentially goes like, I don't think that would change anything. And Monica also, though, tells Wanda she would do the same thing to bring back her mom, and she doesn't think she's evil. And um, then Wanda, Wanda says, I don't understand this power, but I will. And she goes off, and she transforms into the Scarlet Witch and flies away. And we'll see her later in the post credit scenes. Um, what do you think, though, of that interaction between Monica and Wanda there?
2: I think it was, again, it shows the complexity of Wanda as a character. It's like she's not fully a good person or fully a bad person. She's, as a person, norm, as a normal human being is. It's like you're, you have layers to yourself. You're complex. You make choices, good and bad choices, and you live with them. You learn from them, and you keep moving. I thought it was interesting that again they had their similar grief storylines parallel one another throughout the series in the moment oh, yeah. we did see Monica and Monica understood better than probably anyone what Wanda went through. And I think it was it made sense to have the two of them, because they're both integral to the future of the MCU going forward, mm-hmm. have that final interaction of where we're going. And I think the it's interesting that I was reading that that last line that Wanda has. That I don't understand this power. What I will was added in post after they oh. finished filming everything. So there were two that one and um, Agatha's line about you don't know what you've done. What you what, what you create? What is it? Uh, you or don't you've know. You've unleashed or whatever. Yeah, you don't know. What you've unleashed. Those two were added after the show was done. Interesting. So I think again because the writers were working with an awareness of Doctor Strange. Certain mm-hmm. things do have to be made to line up. And granted, this show was supposed to premiere with just maybe five months to go before Doctor Strange.
0: I thought it was a month.
2: Oh, really? Okay, I thought it was longer than a month, but I did see – but very, very close.
0: Yeah, I thought it Doctor was like Strange. somewhere like four to six weeks, and then Doctor Strange would be out. But um, I – okay, I saw this online a little bit. There's – Monica started getting a lot of heat, basically – or not heat, just – Fans talking about a show for basically letting Wanda go and not even like saying, like, hey, you got to kind of answer for what you just did. You had all these thousands of people under mind control. And I kind of when I first heard, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why didn't Monica do something about that? And then, though, you have to think Monica just saw the director of sword unload 10 bullets at two children. So, I don't think she's like, oh, I'm gonna let's take you to Sword. They know what they're doing. And I obviously think Sword will get a little better or something, probably, if Monica is gonna have any role to do with it. But uh, I do understand why Monica didn't like say, hey, you have to be turned in because I mean, she can turn him into the guy that you're gonna turn into
2: at this point.
0: Yeah, there's nothing. There's like no Avengers, there's all this stuff. So, um, we get, we see Hayward also get arrested. And then let's talk about the two post credit scenes we get. first one monica is asked to come talk to someone in a movie theater and we see that it is a a sword agent who turns into a scroll and this is sent by what i assume is nick fury and it wants her to go up to space you're not grounded anymore and so i assume we are going to see monica go up to space to sword where nick fury is and she will finally be able to tell uh Nick Fury, that she's able to glow like her auntie Carol, because that's that was set up beautifully in Captain Marvel. Um, anything on that, Peter?
2: I liked it. I liked that that was that first post scene. Did it what a traditional Marvel post scene does. It sets up what's it further cements what you think is happening. It's like so this is where we're going next. Mm-hmm. So we're going into space. If we think about it with. Captain Marvel 2, we're going to go into space with the Eternals. We have all this secret invasion happening now.
0: Yeah.
2: So I I like that the first one was space.
0: Okay. And then our second post credit scene, very good post credit scene, we go see Wanda at a cabin in the mountains. We don't know where. We'll speculate on where in a second. But basically, what's cool, you get this one shot camera fly in. And it follows Wanda as she's sitting out on the porch, very, very much like Incredible Hulk vibes when he's like out in the wilderness, like trying to be peaceful or whatever at the end of Incredible Hulk. But basically, um, it follows Wanda inside. She's like drinking tea, she's pouring tea. And then, though, you go into the room in the house and you see an astral projection. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, from like Doctor Strange does. And Wanda is doing that while she is reading the Dark Hold. And you hear all these like evil-sounding sounds. you see all the red chaos magic, and it ends with us hearing the voices of Billy and Tommy. Or is it just one of them, or is it both?
2: I thought it was both. I think I, well, I watched it with closed captions and it said both. Okay so yeah, go both.
0: And so they, she, they are stuck somewhere. wherever that may be, we'll learn more probably about that when we learn more about the Dark hold, wouldn't you think?
2: Oh yeah, I think, and I think it's telling the fact that they're not gone. Like, so they should have been, they technically should have been gone because the Hex is gone. But they're not gone. They're somewhere, which again, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, the fact that she's at the mountain too, which could be one, if I'm pronouncing it correct, or Mountain. Yeah. You know, from, mm-hmm. So if it's that, then I mean, there's all these things in play. Because that's the, the that home of using, Yep. Mm-hmm, and if she's yeah. still using the Chaos Magic and she's at the mountain, I mean, this could set up some very interesting things to come in Doctor Strange too.
0: Yeah, um, my take on this also was I was always skeptical about them having Wanda be a villain. I just was like, I don't know if they're going to really do this. They really set it up. They really set her up being a villain. And yeah, she might not be the big, big villain. Kathan might be. But I definitely think for the first half or so of Doctor Strange 2, she is going to be some sort of a villain. What do you think?
2: I think that that could definitely be the case for like the first, the first third, first half, and then they team up in the end. Because I yeah, that will go both ways though. Because it has to be done. We've already done technically Civil War, which did have our superheroes fighting one another. Because that's what we needed. You know, we're at the point of the height of powers. Like, what else Mm -hmm. are you going to do? So you need to find someone. That Doctor Strange is going to be able to go blow to blow with, and at this point, Wanda is technically the strongest Avenger out there. So it's like, mm-hmm. what is she going to face that's going to be equivalent to that? And I'm curious to see if she does show up in Spider-Man: Far From uh, No Way Home. Yeah, No Way, way Home.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, let's. I have a. I have a few questions down here. Well, we've answered some of them already, naturally, just talking about this. But I'll look through. Um, I saw a rumor out there that people are like, where did white vision go? He might've gone to Wakanda because that's like the last thing of the memories that vision that's shows him. So, I mean, maybe that could be something is because I'm just curious of when the next time we will see white vision is, and I could see him maybe like not appearing in Dr. Strange too. Like I could see him giving like a little break and then come back. Um, and that would be a cool way if they brought him into black Panther too. Um, oh, and this is, um, a question that i really want you to answer and i want to see what people think so from the residents of westview's perspective so all the people in the town this is question for peter and everyone out there from westview's residents perspective is agatha the hero of the story in their eyes because all they see is basically want to do this to them and then her try to stop wanda what do you think
2: I think if, you're, if the Westview citizens are operating from that limited scope of understanding, if we look at the series as a whole, from what they've kind of gone through, the Westview citizens, I think that, yeah, they would see Agatha as the hero and Wanda as, as, the, as the villain, which would be an interesting setup, again, because theoretically, right now, Spider-Man is also considered the villain, if you think about it, at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, that's a spoiler, but sorry. But you, everyone been, should have seen it by now. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like that's that would be a secondary hero who's also now viewed as a villain.
0: Yeah, interesting.
2: Which is an interesting kind of setup they're going for. Where we've got two now that are.
0: Mm-hmm. How would you uh? How would you grade this series?
2: I would say I would give it an A plus. I think A plus, like a 10, plus. Out
0: 10, we, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Wow. So you don't think theoretically, like. This is like gonna be the peak of then what we're gonna see on Marvel TV. This is right up there. Because I, I guess think... I don't go ten out of ten because then we'd have nowhere to go up. But I think it's okay. Okay, it's like a all right. Okay, then I'll you know what what go mean?
2: nine out of ten. Let's go nine out of ten you. since we don't know where we're going. With the rating it could be adjusted as the future projects come out. But again, mm-hmm. I think this sets the bar so high. This between the handling of the grief trauma storyline, the handling of the different. Coping mechanisms of the sitcoms, the handling of the introduction of new characters, the delving into the magic side of the MCU in such a strong way, the fact that we had Wanda and Vision that were these well, let's give it a nine point
0: five, give it a nine point
2: five <laughs> underused characters. The fact that, but again, the other series, while great, they have great characters, great actors. They're not going to have Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Who were the anchors of this? Yeah, and I don't think, again, every Marvel has such a great way of casting the right people. In that, these two really cared about the characters. It felt like, and based on the interviews they do, and really were invested into what they were bringing out into the world.
0: Yep, I couldn't, I could not agree more. Um, I think so. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give you guys some rumors right now to wrap up of stuff that might've happened because Peter, one thing also is like there was so much pressure on WandaVision because it's the first Disney plus no Marvel for a year or two. And so I think the fact that it did like live up to it week after week is an immense accomplishment, especially when you start to hear stuff like this. So Dr. Strange was supposed to show up in the last episode But because of travel restrictions, because of COVID-19, he was unable to do that. That has been confirmed. The show was supposed to be 10 episodes long. But because of COVID stuff and delays, they had to crunch it into nine. That was confirmed. Senor Scratchy, the bunny, was revealed. There was a scene where he kind of like is protecting the Darkhold and chases the kids and quicksilver around and he like turns into a demon and chases them around the director said that that is confirmed and like i said earlier doctor strange 2 so right now we have all these questions and we have to wait a year to doctor strange 2. originally we were only gonna have to wait like four to six weeks to get doctor strange 2 after this so knowing all that i mean this is i mean this is they did an incredible job i thought i was only bummed about the quicksilver thing but the more and more we've talked about this show, it's just it's just so good. And, yeah, I didn't get Quicksilver, but I don't know. You made a good point. We might see him again.
2: And because I feel like there is a the possibility, possibility that they liked Quick, the idea of Quicksilver, but that he is going to have a separate vehicle to kind of create more out his storyline. Mm-hmm. So that's highly cool. possible because they were technically Wanda and Pietro were together when yeah. we first meet them so it's highly possible that they just were like let's actually save a lot of his stuff for a future project
0: yeah and a lot of one thing I thought about too is that if they were to have Doctor Strange show up if they were to have the mutants come we'd, I don't think we would get as satisfying of a finale of what a finale on Wanda and Vision's love story I guess because that this episode the way it was it made us really think about that and hone on into that
2: yeah, 100%. And I think having the addition of those two things would have distracted and maybe lessened again the impact that these two characters had because it would have been so much, it would have been an abundance of riches. And I yeah. feel like this mm-hmm. really focused in on why this show existed again for these two specific people that hadn't had their moment in the MCU yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. um so, Peter, anything else you want to say about this series before I go into some announcements for what we're going to be doing in the future here?
2: Um, it's definitely made me look at the previous MCU movies with the new... I pick up on more things now. Like, I watched Endgame back a couple of days ago and Wanda's role in the finale fight scene. There's little things that she does that are stronger than you expect. Mm-hmm. That, you didn't, that kind of were in the background to me because everything else that's going on that's so and trickle to the story. Um, this makes so Age of Ultron questions. a lot better. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's 1,000% better. It just kind of, even Vision's role also is kind of amplified as well. Like, the fact that he could wield the hammer, I mean, that itself is like yeah, so much to the two characters. I'm excited. There's still some unanswered questions. I like that because, again, mm-hmm. this is part of a bigger picture. And it's so just the I, beginning. I, I mean, if we get a season two, I don't know what it would be. I don't know if we necessarily need it or if it would take away from this mm-hmm. one, but I'm on board for whatever Marvel does.
0: So. Yeah, and so speaking of that, folks, we are not taking any breaks. We will be back next week for a Falcon and Winter Soldier preview show because that will be coming out not today, Thursday, but next Thursday, so a week from now. Um, and we'll be doing weekly Falcon and Soldier, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier episodes um, as well as Peter... We're each gonna have to take four hours out of our uh, life and sit down and watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which is coming out next week, I believe, like the same yeah. day as uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Maybe I don't know, but that'd
2: be unfortunate if it does, because yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier is gonna dwarf the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it it will.
0: Um, and so we'll definitely be talking Snyder Cut, and then um, we're also thinking about doing maybe like a superhero MCU draft thing. I don't know, because that things are always fun. Um, Peter, thank you for being on. Um, Our listeners, thank you for listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Podcast, or watching on YouTube. Uh, We really, I love talking Marvel, and um, I know Peter does. And so we're trying to make this more of a community. So if you have questions, theories, send them in to us. We'd love to talk about it, and we're excited to talk Marvel every single week. Uh, Peter, God bless.
2: Likewise, it's been a been a pleasure being on this wandavision ride i'm excited mm-hmm. for something completely different with uh, the rest of the shows that are coming but um this is i think wandavision was a nice way to kind of really jump this mm-hmm. conversation
0: yeah the the wandavision going into falcon and winter soldier which is basically all about like military like weapons and technology is Conspiracy gonna be theories and all yeah, that stuff it'll be great though so uh peter looking forward to that uh Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. This has been the Pineapple Couch with B-Rub. See you next time.